0: You're listening to the Soakin Community Podcast, your favorite source for
1: gaming, film, and internet debate. Start now. Start now.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the official premiere of season four of the Soakin Podcast. I'm your host T, and with me are Jason Leo,
1: Jason.
2: Hello. All right, well, we're very excited to be back for a new season. It's been over three years since our last release, but now we're back in action with just a little bit of rebranding. Old listeners can still expect plenty of Star Wars and swot talk but we'll also be going over a whole lot more, everything to do with gaming, film, and internet news. So, with that said, how have you guys been? It's, uh, it's been a little while.
1: Three years. Has it really been three years since the last podcast? That's no joke. I have no idea it's hard for me to really believe but i guess it's right i guess it's right because i've been doing uh conclave for two years so for two years jeez louise i'm getting old
2: in the eyes of the internet are the ancient elders
0: there's a there's a unique tragedy in that uh i'm leo i obviously wasn't a part of the podcast before because it was before my time but i am stoked to be a part of the return of the podcast um and especially stoked to be here with this cool team um but i've been great um we just had um just had our thanksgiving holiday got back from that enjoying cyber monday today and getting ready to talk about video
1: games did you, so, did you do some cybering there. on cyber monday is that what you were into <laughs> no jace i'm too old for that i haven't done any shopping of any kind I. Well, that's not true. I bought four bottles of oil and vinegar from a local, um, a local oiler, whatever you call them, people who make oil, for my aunts for Christmas. Those are the only ones that I've that I've bought. I actually bought three, but I opened I opened one pack for myself.
2: I I really want to ask what that's for, but we do have other topics to talk about for today.
1: I'm just very interesting. I'll try to keep us on topic.
2: Okay. Well, today we'll be discussing the upcoming new Star Wars film, uh, The Rise of Skywalker, as well as the streaming services that are kind of taking over modern media and subscription-based gaming. So with that said, let's get started. Disney and Lucasfilm recently released a final trailer for Rise of Skywalker, and taking one last look at our friends has really made a lot of us here and soaking emotional. A lot of fans heavily criticized The Last Jedi for a number of reasons, but mainly that a lot of what was built up in The Force Awakens just wasn't delivered on. Now, with only one movie in the trilogy remaining, do you think that The Rise of Skywalker will be able to really bring us home?
1: So, Leo and I have a long-standing disagreement about Star Wars, so that <laughs> I <mean>, will be... <laughs> that can say, yeah, you can say that. This will be a nice kickoff for the tone of the podcast, perhaps. I am a huge Star Wars nerd. I love everything Star Wars to a certain degree. Um, I have high hopes for Rise of Skywalker. I will be the first to admit that um, I was a little soured on the last movie. It didn't do all the things I wanted it to do, but it was still Star Wars, so I had a good time. and certainly was a beautiful movie. I am very excited for Rise of Skywalker. The final trailer did give me that bring me to tears feeling. And I, I, I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to give us um, a nice send off. They're going to give us something to round out the saga, make us feel like it's star Wars again, give us a little, you know, warm fuzzy and hopefully um, a good time. And then, and then that'll be, it'll it be over if as far as the skywalkers go. So yes, I think that they will bring us home. So, um, Let me
0: just re-emphasize that long-standing disagreement that uh, Jace and I have on uh, recent Star Wars. Um, I will only say that I am frankly jealous of Jace's optimism, um, mostly because I just don't share it. Um, A lot of that is my own personal cynicism when it comes to these kinds of things, but really um, this comes down to what do you consider bringing us home. Uh, Do you consider it having a satisfying story and conclusion to these characters' lives? Um, I haven't seen that yet, Uh, and so I'm not very optimistic about seeing it um, finalized. Um, We've seen, I think, um, an attempt made to be rid of the Star Wars of the past so that a new Star Wars for... um, future generations can be created and i think the method that's being used to do that is one that is very unsatisfying and so i'm cynical about it i'm i'm really not looking forward to it i'll probably see it because i'm a little bit of a masochist um but yeah so just don't share that optimism
1: i think though, what one of the things that people have to do is be able to to let go a little bit let go your feelings if i will um if i may because the new star wars is not the old star wars the satisfying ending to luke's tale really was return of the jedi and that that was something i kind of had to come to terms with this is a generation or two later within the same saga so it's it's kind of it is it has to be different and different doesn't always mean bad um the unsatisfying pieces to me have to do with the fact that i'm expecting something with old characters and not not necessarily grasping onto latching onto the idea that this is about some new characters and the old characters are really more about giving depth to the universe than they are about carrying narrative Um, the new kids get to carry the narrative and i think that my hope is i anticipate that the rise of skywalker will do that will allow those those new characters to really push Uh, push us home push us through to um, a feeling of of completion you know a galactic completion (laughs) wow that sounded a little
0: risque (laughs) i mean yes i do think there will be some kind of galactic completion (laughs) when everything is said and done um and i do agree that there was a pretty solid wrap-up um for uh the initial trilogy um and this is for new characters. This is, you know, a, a different story. But I'm, uh, I, I guess what I'm hoping for is um, kind of a, a, not necessarily an homage, but certainly uh, a, a story that honors those previous characters. And I'm just, I just don't feel that with the with the current saga. I'm seeing more of a, hey, let's toss these old characters. Um, and, and hopefully by making them uh, old and washed up and bitter and... Um, uh, really awful, uh, then the, the the characters we have now are going to look better as a result of it, and everybody's going to prefer these guys. Um, and I, I, I just see that continuing.
2: Uh, well, in that case, speaking of the old characters returning and maybe feeling a little thrown in, um, in the trailers now, we see that Palpatine will actually be making a return. We've seen him as a senator. We've seen him as a Sith Lord. In what form do you think he's going to come back this time?
1: There's not a whole lot of options. Um, I mean, you know, there's certainly fan theories. I try to stay away from fan, fan theories. I try to stay away, f- away from leaks and spoilers and stuff like that because I really enjoy um, experiencing movie and the story for the first time when I see the thing. So I don't, know, uh, I don't know what the ideas are that are out there. My idea would be certainly that maybe, perhaps there's a clone. We know that um, Palpatine was instrumental in creating the clone army. Um, It would make sense then that perhaps he followed up on the the studies of Pelagius and learned how to um, carry on in life to defeat death and keep his keep himself viable in some type of clone form or, you know, allow his force ghost to jump into another iteration of himself or even um, survive the fall in Death Star 2 and somehow, you know, have a cobbled together body vader's body was ravaged but he was saved through cybernetics um grievous was ravaged and and saved through cybernetics maul ravaged and saved through cybernetics so it could be also uh, you know the original palpatine um just cybernetically saved or enhanced or preserved
0: yeah i i I don't think it's too much of a stretch to have palpatine back uh, as you express i mean we've seen um pretty important and critical characters come back in crazy ways i mean (laughs) maul was cut in half and the dude the dude survived tis but Um, a scratch (laughs) so yeah i mean palpatine is supposed to be you know he's, he's a if not the strongest one of the strongest force users um in in the in the universe so i i don't think that's beyond his power to survive um if he had the will to do so so um I've heard some of the theories about, you know, he's he's not that he's a clone, but that the, the, the version of him that died in um, in the original trilogy was a clone. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's uh, if it's necessary to go into that kind of detail with a story like this. Um, it, it, the idea of the force being, you know, a mystical, magical um, power that allows space wizards to go around doing their thing. Um, I think and certainly allow somebody as powerful as Palpatine um, to survive that kind of stuff. So I think it's reasonable.
2: Another character in that we've had a lot of theories about and uncertainty towards, do you think that Palpatine is going to have any connection to Rey, as many people have theorized?
1: I don't read the theories, I just say it. I If you go back and listen to some of the podcasts prior to The Force Awakens, I think that I probably dreamed and spouted off about ray and who she might be this is before any of us knew this is before the the, the, the first sequel movie released I'm, I'm hesitant to take guesses on some of this stuff because of how absolutely wrong i was well i assume we still don't absolutely know who ray is um there there seems to be hints in the trailer that perhaps this coming together of ray and kylo is planned by the emperor from way back in the day so there's perhaps some type of connection in that way it could be um but i don't know ultimately the tie to me is less about Rey and really more about some sort of ultimate goal of the emperor from episode one and through episode six the emperor was or Chief Sh- Sh- palpatine was instrumental in plotting in creating this like deep conspiracy to to get to some goal we really don't know what that goal was i mean we saw where he was going he created the empire i don't think that the empire was the end there was another something so i'm thinking maybe this is gonna gonna teach us what that was
0: so i think um palpatine's connection to ray so the star wars star wars in general has a very strong um lineage uh system. So, uh, there, there's a whole lot of emphasis placed on who your, uh, who your forebears were in, um, in just about every important family, uh, in, in the star Wars universe. And I think that this will be no exception. Um, I think we don't know who Ray's parents were. We don't know where she came from. And I think there's a really good chance that Palpatine is it. Um, granted I'm the opposite of Jace. And I do read a lot of theorizing because I just can't help myself, um, but it, it, it follows what I think is kind of the Star Wars track um, of just making those familiar connections so important. And the fact that we have this, this blank spot in Ray's past, and then we have Palpatine making a comeback, I think that's not a coincidence. And I think those two are going to be linked in a familial way.
2: Talking about family, the last of our original trilogy family final survivor is Leia. J.J. Abrams has described her as the heart of the rise of Skywalker, yet most sources claim that she's not CGI'd into the film. Given Carrie Fisher's untimely passing, how much do you think we're going to be able to see of her in this?
0: So I think this is this was probably one of the uh, most significant challenges that uh, any of the folks who worked on uh, the movie or the, even the trilogy had to face. Um, she, I think, has always meant to be instrumental or was always meant to be instrumental. Um, and it was obviously tragic and also very unfortunate, um, her passing before this movie was, um, was finished. Uh, I think she played an important role in Kylo's um, redemption arc or... His potential redemption arc. Um, Leia is the one he can't bring himself to kill, even though I mean he skewered his dad. But Leia, he can't bring himself to do it. So I think she's going to play a very important role in that aspect in Kylo's, I think, redemption arc, um, and could potentially be a a, a tutor, a trainer for um, for Rey that she wanted with Luke and got a taste of with Luke um, uh, and and may actually experience, uh, you know, something more significant. Oh, there is another.
1: <laughs> so I'm I'm kind of torn on this piece of the puzzle simply because Carrie's, Carrie Fisher's passing was so unforeseen and out of the blue and it I, I'm sure that it did actually put a big dent in the overall plan. I don't know if what we're hearing from J.J. is is kind of making lemonade out of lemons and trying to say that, you know, <clears throat> she's the heart because the, the actress passed, and so we're going to try to make her the heart of it, or if actually it works. I, as somebody who has worked with Story in the past, so one thing that's pretty out there is that they said they use a lot of the footage of Carrie Fisher from previous films to uh, flesh out this um, the story in Rise of Skywalker. I think that's really hard when you have set lines and set, set um, production that you then have to but massage into uh, a real meaningful story. So the challenge, I'm sure, is just massive. My concern is that... Is that You know, The director saying that she's the heart of The Rise of Skywalker is kind of seeding that in us so that when we get there, we already have that expectation and then we can kind of be led by the nose a little bit. Uh, Personally, I am a little worried about taking old footage and building a story around it. I will be honest.
0: I mean, I admit they they hooked me with it because it's something I'm interested in seeing. And I am curious how much of that old footage really would fit. I'd like to see it.
2: And as you can clearly tell, listening to all of us get a little choked up just talking about her, uh, Carrie Fisher was definitely very dear to all of us and all of the fans.
1: So just, I'll just throw this out there. There's this one reaction video on the interwebs uh, for the final trailer, and it's this like, dude, I don't want to call him a nerd, but he's a nerd, and but mostly because I'm a nerd with him. And he's reacting to the to the trailer first time, right? And it gets to the end there with uh, with leia saying the final line in the trailer and he just comes apart and i felt that on a spiritual level with that man so yeah she's pretty important obviously carrie fisher was vitally important to the franchise and and really set the tone for for uh, a lot of our childhood and in many ways yeah totally
0: on this star wars point we agree
1: dun dun dun
2: with the Skywalker saga coming to an end soon, never fear, we do have plenty of Star Wars content. With The Mandalorian currently showing, the standalone Kenobi series coming soon, and a potential Old Republic trilogy in the works, what do you guys want to see in the next Star Wars lineup?
1: Easy, I am re- I don't want to say I'm disappointed. Rogue One was not what I expected. I actually really liked Rogue One, it was a good movie, but what I was expecting was Rogue Squadron, and I didn't get Rogue Squadron, and I want a Rogue Squadron type Series. I don't want a movie series. I want a television series of a group of pilots who, and and they can set it. It doesn't really matter to me a whole lot in what era they set it, but I want that feeling of like camaraderie and uh, kind of like a band of brothers in Star Wars. That, that would be so BA um, uh, to have you know space battles and you know I kind of want I kind of want Civil War era just because X wings are my fave you know they have they have x-wings now too poe dameron's pretty good on x-wing i'll admit it but i would love rogue squadron story
0: i think that would be pretty cool um th- those kinds of stories really are fun to watch honestly um so rogue one i thought was a cool um was a cool movie um solo i thought wasn't a bad movie either um the the box office numbers were a little disappointing um especially because i thought it was not bad um, and I am really digging the Mandalorian. And I think the reason that I like these movies and shows so much is because they are about normal people in this uh, in this insane universe that has space wizards. And how do normal people, um, how do they get along in a universe like this? I think those have some of the most interesting, and compelling storytelling elements to them there's there's so much uh that those just normal people in the universe have to overcome uh the forces uh, you know uh, uh against them how do they uh how, how do they succeed how do they even survive um that to me makes for cool stories and those are characters that are in my opinion a little bit more relatable like luke skywalker was an awesome character he was one you know to look up to at least in the original trilogy um but he's a force user we'll never be a space wizard these normal folks we we can see ourselves in
1: like moisture farmers you just want a series about moisture farming (laughs) i mean but it it could be like a soap (laughs) opera like dallas But they have to to face off against wizards yeah
0: i'd
2: watch that the real housewives of a galaxy far far away (laughs) yeah star wars the rise of skywalker premieres on december 20th and you can bet your buttons we're going to be talking about it again afterwards With the release of Disney Plus, yet another streaming service has made it onto our dockets. Between Disney, Hulu, Netflix, and a whole bunch of others, all with their own different acronyms and various attachments, cable subscriptions have been going down, streaming subscriptions have been going up, and pirating has made its way back onto the field. Do you think it's more cost-effective to pay for multiple streaming services than it was to pay for cable television?
0: So I think with your... um your final note there that piracy is making a comeback uh, absolutely
1: <laughs> if you know what i mean he's saying he's stealing did y'all get that i would never say that
2: <clears throat>
0: but actually no i think if you're if, if you're careful about what it is that you're you're paying for i do think it can be way more cost effective because you're um, you're tuned into the things that you actually want to watch. I can't tell you how many cable channels I'm just not interested in, and they just come with a package. Um, this way I get to be a little bit more um, decisive about what it is that I'm paying for, and I can reduce my cost by simply not signing up for um, streaming services that I'm not interested in. I think it's way more cost-effective
1: it's it's i'm not an economist so it's hard for me to talk about cost effectiveness i can tell you for sure that in my house i'm paying a whole lot more (laughs) with every streaming service that comes about um, i find myself adding more and more to my recurring bill um, category on my budget Um, part part of that is because i am a little bit of a entertainment hog and i want to see all the things so i have my cbs all access and i have my dc universe and i have my disney Plus. i like um i like that kind of stuff but at the same time i still have i don't have cable but i do have satellite and the satellite bill is quite quite expensive um and you know when it comes to the channels that come with my my satellite or when it comes with the channels that come with cable, no, I'm not watching the vast, vast majority of them. But I'm also not watching the vast majority of stuff on, say, Netflix. There's a lot of stuff on there that's just not good or in a language I don't understand and I refuse to read my TV. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it's just it, it depends. How do you how do you how do you say cost effective if you're spending more? then no it is not cost effective you have to be disciplined to know i do want to watch this i will not watch that i'm cutting the cable i'm tearing the dish off my roof whatever it is you do cost effective is really more about budgeting than it is about what it is you're paying for ultimately if we keep going the way we're going every network every producer every studio every everybody's going to have their own streaming service and if they're all charging you know premium prices it's not going to be cost effective. We're going to be paying a lot more money to get the full spread of of, of entertainment. Um, it's it's kind of a weird time to be in TV type entertainment because of what's happening with streaming services. So I don't no. I don't necessarily think it's more cost effective. You can make it cheaper. You can certainly make it cheaper. Yes, but you know it, what are you getting for that cheap and cheapness? <laughs> I don't know.
2: So with that in mind, cable channels, again, creating their own streaming services to help compete with the new markets. Do you think cable will evolve into streaming-centric mediums entirely? Um, or is like, is cable, vision, cable television just not done?
0: Um, I don't know, that's really, it's a, it's a really hard thing to predict. Um, I think we have enough examples of uh businesses or companies being unwilling to adapt to um new market and the new the new in um that i'm hoping these executives at these companies have learned from let's say blockbusters lesson um and will adapt to to provide what it is people are looking for um i think cable television will eventually die out um because those who are not offering what people want are simply not going to have customers. Um, And it's gonna be a do or die situation for them. So, I mean, obviously those who do evolve will stick around and those who don't won't.
1: The fact is uh, um, internet is a better utility. You can do more things with internet than you can with your cable or with your satellite. Your cable line that comes in is just about good for cable. Your, your satellite that comes in is just about good for satellite you're not going to get more than that. So certainly you can do a little bit of pay-per-viewing or some streaming per, sort of through that, but the internet you can do everything with. You've got your your banking, your gaming, your your TV, your movies, everything's coming in through the internet. Eventually, I do feel like that portal is going to be the primary means by which all communication and media is happening in our homes. So It is sort of a situation of get on board or get out of town. One of the interesting things in my town is my cable network is also my internet provider. So some cable companies are obviously, I would say most cable companies are, are, are to that point where they're they want to bundle you, or they're providing that service as well, so they won't necessarily die out, but they are going to change. In fact, I would say that they already have changed, and perhaps the television bit of it is going to continue to be choked off. They're, they're, there's old people, <laughs> older people than me, who, who cling to older technologies, but they, those people go away eventually to a place in the sky that I'll call Nirvana, and you know technology progresses that's just the way it is um it's happening with a lot of different mediums but i think it's going to happen with um i think it's going to happen with cable television as well
0: i mean it's going to go the way of like the home phone i mean the the uh, i i have you know i i have a parents grandparents they still have a home phone yeah. and you know i don't i haven't um no it's absolutely true uh, and yeah it's gonna go the same direction
1: i that, operate uh, a, um, a call list at my agency we have 65 employees right now there are on our call list there are five people out of our 65 who still have a home number that's a remarkable jump from what i would guess is a decade or two decades ago
2: sending cable television out to the farm
0: interesting where it belongs
1: <laughs> where's old yeller
2: so, uh, so, with television on its way out to the farm, out to retirement, um, how do you think that that's going to affect public access? Which, be anything from channels like PBS or news-centric events like The Moon Landing. With people having to pay for access to news sites and news articles online, are we as a society going to just start to disconnect from those events by only reading about it or choosing specific producers of content that we're going to follow along with? Or do you think that news streaming and the 24-hour news cycle are going to find a way to adapt?
1: They will find a way to adapt. It will happen. The, the 24-hour news cycle is an adaptation, quite frankly. News was not delivered in this way um, for all time. News, the, the way that we get our news changes all the time. And it will continue to change. I, the the It's a very strange time that we live in, the and the problem is that people are choosing places to get their news that they already agree with. In a lot of instances, so news is a little bit less newsy and more entertainmenty. Um, that's a little bit of my own personal soapbox, perhaps, but um, I think that the trend will continue that way, and people will use, will will get news the way that they eat at the cafeteria and they'll they'll pick the places where they go to get it um the thing the the days of the moon landing where everyone sits around the tv and watches this momentous event i think that is over with people are catching those types of things on twitter or on their facebook feeds um certainly some streaming news services are successful and i use them on occasion myself when something newsworthy's happened i'll have a streaming at, at the office but it's through my computer anyway um broadcast is just going to be totally different and news will have to jump on board as it as it has been having to change over the, the years
0: so I, I was watching a uh, a, a really tear jerky um kind of biography of mr rogers and his his whole um You know uh mr rogers neighborhood experience the uh, however long he was on the air um and it was really interesting um to watch the evolution of the challenges he faced on on the show and even just the changes the show went through um it went from black and white to color before um uh, before it went off the air and i think this is just another step in in that um in that evolution of what kinds of challenges do these kinds of public access or or news venues face? Um, I think, like Jace had mentioned earlier, the internet is where people are um, finding their access to these kinds of things. I also agree. Man, I find myself agreeing with you a lot. This is terrible. I'm a brilliant um, person. <laughs> I also agree people tend to find the areas that they already agree with and that's where they get their sources. However, things like the moon landing aren't really an opinion piece. Um, and I do see people are going to discover or they're going to learn about the next moon landing on their phone. It's not going to be something that they sit around a TV or a radio uh, like back in the day uh, in their in their living rooms with their families about. It's it's not a worse way. I, in fact, think it's kind of a better way because you get more immediate access to that kind of stuff. I think the the, prolifer- the proliferation of information uh, through the Internet has been a wonderful thing. Um, it's allowed us to find stuff out. I can Google anything, anywhere, if I want to know whether a platypus lays eggs or not. I can find that out right Ugh. now.
1: You're nasty. Spoiler alert. They do.
2: With the rise of just so many streaming services, uh, all of these coming up within just a handful of years, do you think that this is ultimately going to encourage more pirating? And do you think that we'll actually start having pirated news sites as well?
0: I mean, I think with any with, with any increase in technology or the increase in the reliance on a particular technology people are going to find out how to pirate it. I think we'll see a surge of it but I think there will come behind it uh means of quelling that piracy. Um that does tend to be the trend we've seen with I remember when Napster was like a legit free music site. Yeah. And then, and then all Line kinds wire. of stuff changed.
1: Um,
0: and I think that this we'll see the same thing here.
1: You know, play is gonna play and pirate's gonna pirate. it's just human nature that they're gonna get things in a way that is less expensive. Sometimes we call it stealing. Um Yes, technology will continue to combat that, um, but technology will continue to fall behind the ingenuity of people that want to get a free Sammy. Um, Yeah, it'll encourage pirating for sure.
2: Whether you've got 12 streaming platforms or none, the popularity of such services with both producers and markets has been undeniable, and we're just going to have to wait and see how the film industry ends up evolving to match it. Subscription-based gaming is definitely something that we are no stranger to, as MMO players. Uh, we're usually just debating over like what should and shouldn't be sublocked, but the existence of a paywall has generally been a fact of life for a while now. Still, it's surprising to see even companies known for their single-player RPGs taking steps towards subscription gaming, like Bethesda and their upcoming title Fallout First with everyone from lawyers to internet trolls actively taking down the loot box gaming setup, is Bethesda jumping on a sinking ship with this plan, or do you think there's a chance it might pan out for them?
0: So, you're absolutely right. We are not strangers to subs- subscription-based gaming, as soon as I can pronounce those words. Um, and I have to say, having, having seen the difference between what a subscription-based game is, Uh, produces versus what any of these other methods of farming money from players produces I will take subscription-based gaming any day Um, I think it has a lot of a lot of really solid qualities to it Um, whether or not it's a sinking ship um, I don't know Uh, I think it has the potential to remain a viable and competitive vehicle for obviously profit for companies who are developing these games um, if they're able to implement it properly what people are looking for when they pay a subscription is constantly evolving content they want more content because you're paying ultimately for that Um, and also a barrier to entry for folks who aren't really interested in playing the game for trolls and for griefers and for um bots like i don't i don't want them in my game so um i think as long as it can be done right it's a brilliant system and i want to see more of it
1: i think the the rub there is be done right and the big fat problem with all of that is that the majority of the time the mmos that have subscription base to them are not really done right especially in the instance that lovely matea has brought forward to us i'm not sure if you've heard much about <laughs> fallout 76 Um, but it was not a popular game. It did not please the fan base. So when you've got a game that really didn't, mm, let's say, shoot the moon, and then you tack on a monthly subscription behind the fact and and promise, oh yeah, but we're going to get better. What I'm smelling here is rat. Yes, if you give me something great, I don't mind paying for it. But what I don't like is the fact that it feels like um, I'm being milked. Um, I don't want to be milked. I don't want to pay a monthly fee for something that is ultimately not going to satisfy. And I think that in, re- in regard to the question, in regard to the, the conversation, this is kind of like paying to get on the Titanic. It does feel like, um, you, you already know where this game is going because it's basically Fallout 76 and then it hasn't been popular. It hasn't been pleasing to the fan base. And now they're, they're promising more, but you're gonna to have to pay a lot more and you're gonna to have to keep paying a lot more and it has garnered a lot of really harsh criticism in this case i also do feel just in general that the mmo genre or the subscription-based mmo genre is probably phasing out we don't see those AAA mmos coming out anymore there's not as many on the horizon um, whereas five ten years ago we were hitting multiple mmos a year many of them did not make it many of them were what we uh call crapola in the business but the the model doesn't seem to be a successful model by and large it seems to be niche successful
0: yeah uh, um however i think even with the lack of su- success we've seen a lot of those mmos um, produce i mean look at wow wow is a, a, a hugely popular MMO. in fact it's so popular that it popularized it to normies like normies know what wow is because it's so huge and so successful and it's a subscription model um like you had said if it's done well i do think it can be successful and i think it not only is successful but it paints the picture for what success looks like for these potential games i think the market is settling itself um i do think we had way too many mmos 10 15 years ago i don't think that was sustainable I think they were busy eating each other alive for players. And I think a lot of players were playing two or three MMOs at a time. And I know as an MMO player, I don't like to do that. Um, and, I, and I think there's a lot of other folks who, if they're going to commit to a game, especially if they're going to p- p- pay a subscription, they're going to do one MMO. And now that the, I think that the um, the field has kind of been leveled, we've lost you know, kind of the worst MMOs out there. I do think it's a much better... Um uh it's it's a much better world for subscription based MMOs and, and
1: subscription based games in general. Can we just take a moment to notice that you called non gamers normies <laughs> like muggles? Muggles. <laughs> I just wanted I just <laughs> wanna pause there and point that out that the normies are on board with paying our subscription prices. But I mean they know what WoW is. My parents know what WoW is, and they don't know what where- yeah. Most are. But I think that WoW is a phenomenon, and it was a phenomenon pretty much from day one. I don't think that you can point at a phenomenon and say that's the way to run a business. A a lot of people tried, a lot of companies tried, and more failed than didn't. So I don't know that really the model is viable long-term. It's viable for Blizzard in WoW. Um, It's viable for a select few, but I think that subscription-based gaming, by and large is at least for the mmo market in the in this specific conversation is being phased out we are seeing the sunset of that type of gaming experience i don't like your cynicism jace what i'm the cynic now
2: there there are other ways to put up paywalls besides subscription-based gaming uh, like mobile games will charge you to avoid advertisements and at this point even we've seen even prime and AAA titles that have been released with unfinished aspects that will be paid for later in DLC expansions. Do you think that bigger titles are going to continue in this direction? Like, especially Fallout 1st as well, but not even specifically MMOs, just titles in general.
1: Fallout 1st is not going to go well, I'm gonna go on record and just say that. However, companies are gonna try to make money, that's what they do. Other titles are going to try to find ways to nickel and dime more money out of us. It is not in any way a new practice, um I, th- I believe we've talked about at some point in the past on the remember oblivion and the horse <laughs> dlc that came out it was the just horse, armor armor? For your horse. Yeah. yeah and it was like two or three bucks i don't really remember exactly but you know it and that was just for armor and your horse, a cosmetic, in a single player game that truly no one else but you at your computer will see. I mean, you could literally just imagine it or cut it out of cardboard and put it over your screen if you wanted to dress up your horse. I'm not saying people don't pay for that. I have been one to, to be known to pay for beautiful things inside games. But <laughs> my point is, if there is a way to get more gems, jewels, uh, diamonds out of us, a company is going to try it. So, yeah, they're going to continue
0: yeah i i agree i think they're going to continue but i think that the market is going to correct those egregious um efforts at least the most egregious efforts we've seen so loot boxes have been one of those things that you know it's been um they're they're crazy popular with producers um and not so much with the players and we've seen the repercussions of those games that i think tend to go overboard with loot boxes um to the point where uh you know there are even potential legal consequences where we're calling it gambling and whatnot um i think those means of garnering a profit um are going to they're going to wash out we're going to see attempts made we're going to see some succeed and we're going to see some fail this is why i think subscription-based gaming is the way to go because It not subject to a lot of these other issues Um, you see pay to win games you see uh, like mobile games that make you pay to avoid advertisements oh that makes me cringe Um, but people pay them and I don't get how uh, they have managed to stick around for so long Um, however for good games I'd be willing to pay a subscription fee I'm not willing to pay any money to get advertisements taken off of a mobile game—that's gross.
1: Are you willing to pay extra real dollars to buy other cosmetic things and games above and beyond your subscription?
0: I am, and I have.
1: I too have. Well, have as well. I that, and that's part of what I'm saying. I think that it, it's—it doesn't end with the MMO subscription fee. It doesn't stop there. Um, there, if if as you say, the market will correct itself. I hope that it happens quickly, and I do think that we are in that correction when it comes to MMOs uh, in this time, in this actual period. I don't think that we're going to see... while we're still alive? Yeah, well, not just while we're still alive. You and I don't have that many more years ahead of us, let's be honest. But I mean, in this particular moment in history, we are seeing the decline of the MMO, the subscription-based MMO, I think. They're going to find another way to nickel and dime us, but um, I don't know that it's going to look like it looks now.
0: Well, I think we're seeing
1: a decline in some
0: of their popularity here in the West, but I, I think elsewhere they're great. I mean, they're hopping, um, and and I'm not sure we're really seeing a, a genuine decline here in the West. We're seeing less MMOs, but are we? Do we see fewer people playing MMOs? And I'm not sure. Uh, I, I'm not sure of the answer to that. Um, hmm. I think people are just playing fewer MMOs themselves, but that number is greater than zero. We'll need to do some research.
2: Um, side note, Leo, with the normies and now mobile gamers, or anyone else you'd like to call out? <laughs> <laughs> I, think,
0: I think I'm think i at my quota.
2: All right. But speaking, speaking of pushback, especially with the loot boxes, because we have mentioned, you mentioned that a minute ago, do you think that the gaming industry is going to face pushback, if not comparable to that, in the same vein against the idea of these additional uh, like subscription games even if it's for single player or for the editions of DLC I we've complained about it sure but do you think there's actually going to be significant pushback
1: let's take a moment to uh, i hope i hope eventually on the podcast we will be speaking about a game that i have come to love called um, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order EA is one of the most egregious offenders when it comes to nickel and diming finding ways to charge us uh, if you are not aware Jedi Fallen Order is a game that you pay for, you buy it, and then you play it. And they don't. There's not another way to spend money in that game. I'm not saying that there never will be. I'm not saying they may not put it put out a DLC. But I think that it is a direct response or a direct uh, reaction, a direct response to perhaps the previous Star Wars game that came out. What uh, was it, Battlefront 2? That had all those that loot box controversy and people just griped up and down the internet. There is. There has already been a response to the pushback, in my opinion. And this AAA title, which is actually a really good game, um, is is sort of the answer. Or, or at least a piece of the answer.
0: Yeah, but, but EA, though. I mean... I know. Ugh. I know. So I, I think... Um, I'm not sure EA has learned these lessons. I think EA has put out a game that they're waiting for people to enjoy, and then they're going to they're gonna start dropping that stuff in again. It's just what they do. Switch. I, I think so. Um, here, let me be the cynic again. Um, but, I do think the gaming industry is going to face face pushback um, from these kinds of things, but I don't know if... Um, it's going to depend on the company whether or not they adapt to that pushback. Um, and the the... I guess the means by which they adapt. Um, I think let me use let me use an analogy from an industry that I know well, uh, the financial industry. Um, there was a couple of years ago a huge deal when um, it, uh, it was a bank that shall not be named, but they were going to charge five dollars for somebody to have a debit card, and people lost their minds. This was this was awful. It was the worst thing they'd ever heard, and they were going to boycott this particular financial industry and then this financial industry said okay well we're gonna we're gonna do away with that five dollar fee and everyone was like ah we win we win and all that happened is they found another way to charge those people five bucks in an area they weren't paying any attention to because nobody pays attention to the their financial statements and the kinds of ways that um, some of the larger banks are gouging them and i think a lot of these uh, particularly large titles i think that's how they're going to um, handle these kinds of things too um, if there's a genuine attempt to address concerns of players um, i don't think these other kinds of paywalls are the genuine solution i think it's subscriptions
2: if you're a subscriber to fallout first let us know how you feel about it on twitter by using the hashtag sokin podcast Alright everyone, to close us off today we have a brand new segment that we like to call Tea Time, in which we take a question submitted by you, our listeners. This could be anything from opinions on an upcoming or recent movie or TV show, a would you rather, or a hypothetical. Just have fun with it! For our very first Tea Time question, we have one from our producer, Sil. Because Thanksgiving was just last week, what is the absolute best side dish for Thanksgiving dinner?
0: Oh man, how? to decide
1: now easy for me it is gonna have to cheesy bro- cheesy broccoli and rice casserole it's my all-time fave i mean and i like it with the cheese whiz and the condensed cream of mushroom soup just the old-fashioned way with nice and bubbly freaking ricey cheese goodness
0: you're a man of culture i see i have to go with i was trying to think what was my favorite thing on my plate and and okay, we had these mashed potatoes uh, And in those mashed potatoes, there was a, a little bit of ranch There was a little bit of butter and it had just the nice brown gravy and I think because it's it's forbidden because I'm a, I'm a middle-aged metabolism guy and uh, I'm not supposed to be eating that stuff that only made it the forbidden fruit and so much better.
1: Mm. i feel like this should have been a debate topic i don't understand you can get mashed potatoes and gravy at literally church's chicken i don't know how it's going to be your favorite Thanksgiving. not my my family doesn't do mashed potatoes and gravy for thanksgiving because it's so not special and i'm gonna double call you out here because did you say ranch in potato i did and i don't like like you're judging tone. <laughs> like ranch dressing? Like put aside no, a ranch like the dressing. ranch
0: powder. Like, you know, when you make ranch at home with milk mayonnaise and like the ranch powder, you can add a little bit of the powder to mashed potatoes. No, are
1: we living I, in the I same country? I don't know that. No, no. I mean, I know, I know the powder that you're talking about, but I don't know it in my mashed potatoes.
0: <laughs> it's fantastic. You should try it. You should open your mind a little bit, Jace. I can't believe how closed you are right now. You're making
1: Julia Child roll over in her grave right now. <laughs> you know I was Martha about to say Stewart's head like, just exploded. Your broccoli Rachel Ray cheese is thing, bleeding thing sounded good, her eyes. but I take it back. It sounds awful. It sounds gross. <laughs> you said cheese whiz? Gross. Cheese whiz in the jar, and you put it in the microwave to get it loose before <laughs>
2: you pour it in the <laughs> casserole.
1: No, you keep
0: that. You keep that gross thing on your plate, and I'm going to eat my delicious mashed potatoes and gravy
1: well i'm gonna have it besides thanksgiving i'm gonna pick up some on the way home after this at the church's chicken at kfc and i'm gonna have thanksgiving mashed potatoes
2: if you'd like to submit a tea time question for the podcast head on over to dot com slash soken media and find the submission bar on the right side of the page all you need to do is make an engine account thank you so much everybody for listening to the premiere of season four of the Soaken Podcast. For more Soken Media, visit us at SokenGaming.com slash Media, follow our Twitter at Soakin Gaming, and subscribe to our YouTube, Soken Gaming Community. And you can look for future episodes of the podcast on Google Podcasts and iTunes. Until next time, I've been T.
1: I'm still Jace Trayson.
0: I'm also still Leo.
2: <laughs> we'll see you next week.
1: Stay classy, Soken.
2: Thank you for listening to the Soakin Community Podcast.
1: Craving more?
2: Visit us on Twitter and YouTube at Soakin Gaming, as well as our website, www.sokengaming.com. Until next time, stay classy. Right, Jace?